Welcome to Gateway Church's Sermon of the Week, where our goal is to equip the believer to do the work of the ministry. We hope that you enjoy this week's sermon by the senior leader here at Gateway Church, Pastor Chris Monahan. Okay, guys, let's go ahead and find our way back in. Come on, can we give Jesus some praise this morning? He's good. Any lovers of Jesus out there? Just go like this, check your pulse. You guys here? We're here, all right. We're here this morning. Hey, we want to begin with uh, my message title today. It's it's probably worth the price of the ticket. Um, It's called End Time Shotgun Wedding. That's where we're going this morning. We got anybody from Kentucky with us this morning? Come on, come on, right? I love it. I love Kentucky. But I I want to talk about the end times, and this is what I got. And I want to talk about uh, the the importance of understanding our our view of the end times. How many know that that affects us? The way we act today is often how we think is going to happen. So if if you have heard, how many have heard so many different talks on Revelation and how it's going to end and pre-trib and post-trib and mid We've heard all these things. But I want to give you kind of a summary. I want to begin, number one, that it's a wedding, all right? But it's also a wedding with a shotgun. There's some teeth to this wedding. And it's an end time thing, and we have to get ready and purposed for what's ahead. I want to give you hope today. I want to give you encouragement today. I want your eyes to be brightened when we're done by today. Though I may shake a couple of your sacred cows a little bit, if that's all right. But I want to just share a, a story about a wedding. One time there was this, uh, two cu- this couple that got engaged and they went into to uh, talk to the baker and tell them how exactly they wanted their wedding cake done. And it was very important to them. And they went through what kind of cake they wanted and the icing. And um, then the baker just said, well, what would you like written on the uh, top of the cake? And so they thought about it and they said, you know, we really would like First uh, John 418 to be on the cake, which says that, you know, perfect love drives out fear, and the, but the one who fears is not made perfect in love. And a beautiful, how many have heard that scripture before? 1 John 418. And so as the wedding day c- came and the baker was preparing to make the cake, he suddenly had kind of a, a brain issue going on, and he couldn't quite read his writing, what he wrote down. So he decided to go ahead, instead of 1 John 4.18, he went with John 4.18. And so when they unveiled the cake, instead of the cake saying um, that perfect love drives out fear, uh, John 4.18 says this, the fact is that you have had five husbands, and the man that you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Come on, let's give God a shout of praise. Yeah, be careful you don't miss that one up. That's good. So how many know that the end of the age will be a wedding? That we are culminating is a wedding. That's where you and I are going, is to a wedding feast. Come on, like that should just get you excited right now. All right? We got any brides in the house this morning? Come on. Come on, let me see your hand, man. We're brides. Come on. Oh, come on. Come on, man. We're brides, right? We are brides. We're the bride of Christ. I mean... You know, everything else that's going on, we got to remember that there's going to be an end-time shotgun wedding, and we are, you are a bride. I am a bride. 
And we must have that front and center in our lives if we're going to see the world changed around us. We're not the widow of Christ, but we're the bride of Christ. And what does a bride do? She is preparing herself for her husband. She cannot wait for her husband. And so when I talk today, I want to just give you that view that God Himself, and I know we oftentimes talk about the Father and we're loved as His children, but I want to give you a more intense paradigm this morning, and that's that God Himself wants to marry us. Come on, if that doesn't rock your life, I don't know what will. But God wants to marry you. You are not just someone that He likes. He wants to come into covenant with you. And because in our society we don't understand the power or authority of covenant, we need to study it more. But marriage itself is a covenant. And God wants to bring you into His covenant. He is pursuing you. He wants to be your husband. Now, this is, this is like the hidden revelation of the church. Most of the time, for the end times, we're taught that the next great event of the church is the rapture. Did you know that's not true? The next great event in the church is found in Romans 8, where it says that the sons and daughters will be revealed. It's not Christ in heaven that's the hope of glory. It's Christ in you that's the hope of glory. It's that revelation that you know, I'm a son, I'm a daughter, and I'm loved by Him. You understand what happens when the human heart was encountered by that truth? Some fire gets started. A love begins to grow in our hearts. You know, love is the most powerful force that's out there. Love will drive you. Love will cause you to move forward, do things that you've never done before. And first love especially. Albert Einstein was the smartest man that ever was, but he said, there's one thing I cannot understand, and he said, that's the power of first love. Imagine channeling that power. What first love does. So we must see ourselves as the bride of Christ, as the Bible teaches, that's who we are. Remember, the first miracle of Jesus was a wedding. He was at a wedding, and He changed water into wine. And the wedding... Uh, the wedding idea and the wedding concept goes throughout the Scriptures that you and I are heading somewhere. We're heading to a wedding. We are, we are called and God is, is planning for us to sit with Him. So when we begin today, I want to start with just a few um, things I want you to write in on your, uh, on your worksheet. And number one, I want to start with the future. We're gonna go, you can fill them in now. If you're done before I am, you can leave, but let me tell you. We want to start with the future, so go ahead and put that up. It starts future, and it's about the book of Revelation. And when we look at the future, because the next thing we'll talk about is the past and then the present, but how many know our view of the future and how things are going to work out affects how we live today? I used to have a member on my leadership team, and he worked for an automotive company, and every, every day he would go in, there would be a rumor, the plant's closing down, every day. How many ever work at a place like that? The plant's closing down. Hey, did you hear the plant's closing down? Every day they would go in and for years, years, 20 years, the plant's closing down. What is happening to the mentality of the workforce? Throw in the towel. What's the use? Why work hard? So we have to understand that the golden goose of our lives is the love of Jesus. And the enemy's going after our goose. Did you know that? Because that's what lays the golden eggs. 
is our love for Jesus, our passion for Him. Because we're the bride. And we're going for a wedding. That's what we're on our way toward. And we have to keep that in mind throughout what we go through. But when we look at the end times, we see that sometimes we think the rapture is the next great event. But actually, that if we want to see Jesus come and return, the Bible says is we must evangelize. We must bring the gospel to the entire world. Let's read that together so you know I'm not making this up this morning. Matthew 24, 14. The gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. So if you want to bring Jesus back, doing rapture practice is not going to help you. All right? You have to get out there. You and I and the church has to do the work of the kingdom through evangelism. And how do we do that? We do that as brides-to-be, bringing in other brides-to-be and encouraging them. This is God's heart towards you. He loves you. And that's what, that's what changes the heart of our culture. But when we look in the Scriptures in Revelation, it's a future event. We see in Revelations 19.7, it says, let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you're a good looking bride. <laughs> right? You are, you are preparing yourself for the wedding. This is the mentality we must have as we live our lives. Revelations 21, 27 says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And throughout the Scriptures, you find the heart of God is to marry us. I'm going to keep saying that until someone gets it this morning. It sounds foreign, doesn't it? But that's His heart. He's always wanted to marry His people, to come into covenant. So when you wake up in the morning, you're going to look at yourself like, God wants to marry me. He wants to come into covenant with me. See, covenant is something that's why marriage is called a covenant. It has to do with something that's sacred and something that is intimate. And how many know that the body of Christ has lost, that the church has lost the sacredness and the intimacy that God wants to have with us? We're afraid to be too loving. We're afraid to dance before Him. We're, we're afraid just to give it all for Him. But when that's what love does. I mean, I have a son right now that's mad over heels in love, and he'll do anything to spend time with his bride. That's, that's what love does. And we need to live as brides, excited, expecting, God, you want to marry me? I'm ready. I want to be ready. Uh, Revelations 21-27 says, The Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come, and let the one who is thirsty Come and let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. So there was this call of God on our life that we say, come, Lord. And you know the way that marriages were done in, in the ancient cultures was that once the father had prepared the house and the father approved the house, then the son was allowed to go and get his bride. Such a beautiful picture we find in John chapter 14 that there was the betrothal period, that there was an agreement that was being made. In ancient cultures, they didn't have engagements, they had betrothals. 
And it was about a year-long period where the bride and the groom and the families would come together and they would make an agreement that this marriage will take place once the son gets the house done and the father approves. Then the wedding happens. Can you imagine? You couldn't do wedding invitations, guys. It just happened spontaneously. You had to always be ready. How many know that as a bride, we always have to be ready? Now, when we look at our call, though, we can't use it as, a, as an excuse to be taken out of here because we have work to do on this planet. We have to evangelize. We have to occupy until the Lord comes. But He is coming. And where is He bringing heaven? He's bringing heaven to earth. Most people think we're going to heaven, but heaven is actually coming here to a town near you, to a planet near you. He's coming. Heaven is coming. Wherever Jesus is, that's where heaven is. And Jesus is returning for His bride. So that's the future. You know, many people have created a series, the Left Behind series. Most of that is fiction. It's not something that's going to happen. The word antichrist is found seven times in the Bible, and every time it's described, it's described as a spirit and described as already being on the planet. Not as a person, though it makes a good horror movie. You know, if I entitled this Mark of the Beast, and I had an Australian accent, this church would be full right now. Because I'd be like, ooh, the Mark of the Beast. He's talking about the Mark of the Beast. But this, why don't we talk about the seal of God? You see how the church culture is? Let's scare them into heaven. Scare the hell out of them so they go to heaven. And remember the Christian horror movies we used to watch as Christians? Remember those? The rapture movies? We called them Christian horror movies. Thief in the Night? If you Just watch some of those. They are, they're fun to watch. But I want to talk because when we look into the future, that's the main emphasis I want you to walk away with. We're going to a wedding. We're going to go marry God. And we've got to carry that with us every place we go. But I want to look in the past, and I want to look at the book of Hosea. Now, hey, Hosea is, is probably a rated R uh, book of the Bible. You can go home and read that if you want. You can even read it in church, I think. But this is a fascinating story. Because I want to tell you what happens when we study the Scriptures. And I want, to, want you to see God's heart. Can you walk with me in this for a few moments? This is God's heart toward Israel. God chose a nation for Himself. Yahweh chose a nation for Himself. And the nation He chose was Israel, not because they were more righteous than everyone else, but because God chose them. And when He chose them, He desires. This is who God is. Now me and Sue are going through the name of Yahweh and trying to discern how to, what His name actually means. And the more we study, the more we see that His name actually means that He is a jealous one. He is a jealous God. And that's, not, uh, that's an odd accusation, but I want you to carry that with you. You know, we sing the song, He is jealous for me, loves like a hurricane. You know, I am a tree. So we, we have that song, but the thought that God Himself is jealous for you. Let that just reside and resound in your spirit right now. What does that mean? That God Himself is jealous for His bride. Israel was repeatedly warned to never again play the harlot with foreign gods. 
There was always warnings. Don't commit adultery. What's the first two commandments? You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not create any idols. I am your God. God himself, Yahweh, is jealous for us. So when he describes Israel as a prostitute, how many know he's not complimenting them? In today's culture, who knows? They, comp they call good evil and evil good. But they said, when you are not worshiping me alone, you are prostituting yourself. The warning against acting like prostitutes was metaphorical, of course, speaking of worshiping of foreign gods. That God himself is so jealous of you that he never wants you being flirting with the world and going after other gods. He is so in love with you that he identifies himself with the emotion of jealousy. Does that blow your mind or am I in the wrong church this morning? That blew my mind. Walking around, God wants to marry me. Wait a second. And then he, all of a sudden, I, he's telling me, Chris, I am named jealous because of my love for my bride. And when I see their eyes looking in different places, my heart, it just burns with jealousy. And he talks to Hosea. Now, I don't know if we have any prophets in the house, but if you were a prophet in this house and you came to me and you said, God told me, to go marry a prostitute and have children with her, I would probably question you. Can you imagine Hosea? He hears the voice of the Lord. Hosea, I want you to go find a prostitute and I want you to marry her because I have a sermon prop I want you to create for me, but it's going to be your entire life. I'm like, can't we just do a puppet show or something or a video or a Facebook blog, you want me to marry a prostitute and live with her and have children with her? Can you understand how insane that is? That God would ask somebody to go marry a prostitute, ask a prophet, a man of God to go marry a prostitute. Man, I don't know what Bible you're reading, but I said, whoa. That book would have came out of my Bible if I was in charge, right? I'm not in charge. How many have read stuff in the Bible before you go, wow. Where was the editing department when you needed them? But it's not supposed to be edited. It's not supposed to be edited. He told the prophet, marry a prostitute. Hosea 1-2. When Yahweh first spoke to Hosea, the Lord told him, marry a prostitute and have children with that prostitute. Come on. Would that blow your mind? And why did he tell Hosea to do that? Because he said this in Hosea 1-2, the people in this land have acted like prostitutes and abandoned the Lord. So God called Hosea to marry a prostitute, and then this prostitute, not only she, and she didn't even stay faithful with him. You understand that? He had children with her, and then she went out and prostituted herself some more. Be like, thanks a lot, God. Lest, I'm, I, like, that's, the, that's the prophetic word I want to hear from the Lord. But he wanted this prophet to live his life in a way to show the pain and the hurt that Hosea was going through is the pain and the hurt that God goes through when his people are cheating on him. You see, he's not okay. He's not okay with just being one of the gods. He's not okay with just being someone in your life. 
He has to be number one or not at all. Jesus has to be Lord or Jesus is nothing. You see, that's his heart. It's not okay for us to just go to other things when we're in trouble or seek after other means. God's not okay with that because he's a jealous God. And we have to see him and fear him for that. That's his heart. See, the first commandment served as the foundation for all others. It says, you shall have no other gods before me. This was to be a marriage established about exclusivity. That that's what God sees with marriage. You know, if you go and, and have your wedding vows, you know, you, you make a commitment to death do us part. You know, this is, this is for us together. You don't add in, well, okay, pastor, but would it be okay if maybe like once a year I get to see some of my old boyfriends or girlfriends? Can we just put that in the ceremony? Would that be okay? We can't. You see, when we come to Christ and come to the Father, it's exclusive or not at all. That's his heart for you and I. But that should blow your mind and cause you to want to draw nearer to him. Because that's how much he loves you. We should never be okay if our spouse says, hey, I, I want to be faithful to you 364 days a year. That's not good enough. It has to be 100% of the time or not at all. And when we begin to understand God's wrath, you see, I think people don't understand God's wrath, but when you understand God's wrath, when you refer to his jealousy for us, it takes a whole other life, doesn't it? Come on, is anybody with me this morning? Smile at me. Let me know you're still here, right? Exodus 34, 14. For you must, worship, you must not worship any other gods because Yahweh, whose name is impassioned or jealous, is a jealous God. He's a jealous God. He loves you. He longs for you. But He is your husband. That's the way He sees Himself. And you're His bride. And if you're cheating on Him, you're going to experience His wrath because He's a jealous God. He loves you that much. And when we see the world flirting with the church, the Lord is very angry with that. So we see this, that further from this point forward, Yahweh would repeatedly express His jealousy, or more rightly, His passion for the singular devotion of His bride, that we must put our heart toward the Lord, say, I'm singly devoted to you, and not let other gods come before Him. Not let the fear of man cause you to make your decisions differently. I always love the fear of God because the fear of God crushes all other fears. And I may know we're being called to compromise in this time, aren't we? We are. We're being challenged. But if you truly fear God and you say, I do not want to offend my, my husband, we're going to be faithful to him even if all hell breaks loose. And all hell may break loose. But we're fearing God. That's the beautiful thing about it. I want you to reflect on the idea that Yahweh, that His bond to His worshipers is one of passionate love, and Yahweh is upset if the worshipers cheat by worshiping other gods. Any healthy marriage must have well-defined and well-defended boundaries. If you are in a marriage covenant, 
They must have well-defined and well-defended boundaries. In an exclusive relationship, there is no room for any third parties. And that's the same way with your relationship with God. There's no room for any other gods. And right now, we have the world trying to seduce us. You know, imagine. Let's maybe not imagine. But if some other man started sending my wife flirting texts or pictures or trying to boast about his bank account to try to woo her away. Right? It's on. Like, you're going to be picking up your teeth with your broken arm, man. You know? But that's how the Lord feels toward His bride when the enemy is flirting with us. I've got something better for you. I've got a different way. And the Lord's heart is like, He is jealous for us. And we need to understand what it means. We cannot be idolaters. We cannot have other gods. We must make Jesus Christ the Lord of our life and Him only. His wrath is not some unstable emotion that God needs medication, okay? It's not like during the New Testament that He finally got on some kind of Ritalin or something and now He's okay. He's still passionate for His bride. He's still jealous for us. And we need to understand His wrath in that. His wrath is upon the flirting world toward His sanctified bride. Are you getting yourself ready? Are you preparing your heart for your, your husband? Because that's who you are. You're His bride. And you need to be continually letting the Word of God cleanse you. When you're tempted, you go, no, I'm not looking in that direction. When you feel the pressure of the world, you're saying, uh-uh. My God is my Lord, and I will not compromise my heart toward Him. So when we understand that we're called the bride, that's what we're going to as a wedding, and we have a husband that's jealous for us, that should make you happy, by the way. It should make you understand that I'm the, the, the God of the universe wants to marry me and bring me into His covenant. But there's a cost for it. There's a cost. And when we look into the present, if you walk in this love in the present, that's how you're going to evangelize. When you go and tell people, listen, God wants to marry you, come on, that will blow their minds. Because most people think they're a piece of gum on the bottom of God's shoe and He's just spending all this time trying to get them off. But no, you're on God's heart and His mind. He loves you. He's jealous for you. And that passion needs to burn in us as a people. Come on. So we look into the present. How many know the coming of Jesus and the judgment to follow is also a powerful motivation to holiness? That what we see in the coming of the Lord should, should change us. But it's a shotgun wedding, my friend. It's a wedding with some teeth. It's not just some pretty, nice little wedding. There's going to be some teeth to this wedding. It's a shotgun wedding. Hoorah! But listen to this, 1 John 3, 2 and 3. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. When you have that, that knowledge and it's a conviction of your heart that I'm going to a wedding and I'm his bride, you want to continually purify yourself, don't you? You want to get yourself ready. That when you see something in the Word that challenges you, you say, yeah, bring it on. I want to go deeper with you, Lord. You know, you want to catch a big fish. You don't fish in a little kiddie pool. You go deep. All right? There's not much in the shallow end. And we as Christians, if we want to catch the big fish, 
We've got to go deep. God wants to take us deep. So listen to this, Isaiah 54, 5. This will blow your mind. It says this, For your maker is your husband. The Yahweh, Yahweh of hosts is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. So this is God himself telling his people, I am your husband. That is an invitation for all of us. And when we understand who God is and his desire for us, it causes us to want to purify ourselves and get ready for the wedding that's coming soon. When I first came here back in 2005, I felt like when I came to the parking lot one day, I, almost, I saw the roof of this place off. It was very strange. I don't know if it was an open vision or what, but I just saw that the, there was no roof on this place. And I, I felt like the Lord was, was telling me, like, Chris, I'm going to be the covering of this place. I'm going to be the, the glory over this place. And as I read in Isaiah chapter 4, this confirmed what I was feeling. But I want you to see this, is that Throughout history, God himself has wanted to show himself as a good husband to his people. What he did for Israel, and we'll talk about this on the Passover. God himself went in to Egypt and destroyed all their gods. They worshipped frogs. They worshipped the Nile. They worshipped uh, bugs. They worshipped everything. And God, through his judgments, destroyed all their gods to say to Israel, I'm the best one there out there is out there. You watch and see what I can do. And he delivered them and he wooed them out of Egypt, took them across the Red Sea and crushed the Egyptian army to bring them to Mount Sinai where he gave them the Ten Commandments. But how many know, these? we oftentimes look at these as the Ten Rules or the, the Ten Commands of God. In the Hebrew, it's the Dabarim, it's the Ten Words of God. But many scholars believe that was a wedding covenant that he made with the, the, the Israelites. And Moses brought them down to the people saying, this is Yahweh and he wants to marry you. Here's the stipulations. And if you look at the stipulations, instead of out of a law-based mindset, like the church has often taught us, but instead like a marriage contract. You know? As my people, you will have no other lovers but me. Is that asking a lot? Like, would you, like, if that was given to you on your wedding day, you should have, Debbie will say, I have no other lovers but me. Of course, that's a given. You should not steal. You shall not be unfaithful. You should take, you shall do a date night with me. That's the rest. That's the Sabbath. Could we get that one in there? Right? Come on. You should not lie. You should not look at others. You understand that's God's heart. It wasn't to, to hit them with ten rules and, okay, get them done and then we'll add some more to them. No, it, that was God's heart. And when the glory of God came over Mount Sinai, it was like a, a covering or a canopy like they do in the, the Jewish weddings. As they put a canopy over the couple for the marriage to take place and to consummate. Now, unfortunately, the Israelites were pretty disobedient like right after the wedding. And they built a golden calf. And God broke it. He says, this isn't going to work. And gave them a bunch of other rules agreed to continue to walk with them, but his desire was to be a husband. And this is what is going to happen, I believe, in this upcoming season, is that when we see ourselves as the bride of Christ, 
and we see ourselves as a lover of God, that the glory of God will actually cover us. But you have to believe that He's chosen you to marry you, to bring you into covenant. That's what covenant means. It means a, an agreement that is given with a life. And He says, I long for you to step into that covenant. But most people are too afraid to actually believe something that radical that the God of the universe is offering marriage proposals to every person on the planet. Does that blow your mind? But that's what's going on. That's the Bible. He says, I am your husband, your maker. And in Isaiah chapter 4, it says this, says, Then the Lord will create over the whole site of Mount Zion a cloud by day and a smoke and a flaming fire by night. For over all the glory there will be a canopy. So what we need to be praying for is for this entire room to be covered with a wedding canopy. Because that's where the glory of God will reside. See, what is glory? Glory is the exact opposite of shame. Shame is what you experience in this world where you feel worthless and no good and have no value. But the glory of God is the exact opposite, that I have great value in heaven and on earth because of what Jesus has done for me. This is where the glory comes when a group of people recognize their position in God is not something of a slave, but it's as part of the family that's given to us through a covenant, through the covenant of marriage. And then His glory comes. But this is what church should be. It should be a place where brides are getting themselves ready for their husbands. And going out and finding other brides-to-be and letting them know someone loves you and someone's pursuing you. He loves you so much. He gave His very life for you. And He is returning for a bride. And friend, let me tell you, there will be tremendous wrath against everyone who decides in their hearts to cheat on Him or to serve other gods or to flirt with His sanctified bride. You're messing with the wrong bride. You ever see those movies where the guy's like flirting with the girl and all of a sudden the husband walks in and he, he's a big dude. God's a big dude. And what's going on right now God's going to deal with it. What's our goal? What's our position? Fall in love with Jesus. Let His heart be your heart. When you read in God's Word, let the Word of God purify you. And then go share the good news with others. Go release His goodness and His glory to everyone around you. Go love on them. Pray for them. See the healing power of Jesus happen upon their lives. How many want to get under that canopy? Come on. So although the English word is canopy, it is actually the chuppah in Hebrew. In chapter 7, we discussed the concept of the chuppah or the canopy shelter under which a bride and a bridegroom stood during the biblical wedding ceremony. So I believe what the Lord was showing me is that He wants this place to be a bridal chamber where we come under and we come into covenant with our Father, with this Lord Jesus Christ. We marry them. Come on. We come into that place of marriage with them. And that's what we're doing now as brides. We need to carry like Mary. Mary carried Jesus inside of her. She was the bride. <laughs> she was carried the Son of God inside of her. I love what Galatians 4.19 says, My little children, for whom I am again in anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. That's 
what is happening. It's Christ is forming in you. And I know we have a lot of different allegories here today, but we need to carry Christ like Mary carried him. Come on. Knowing that we are betrothed to someone. We are betrothed to the Lord and that his kingdom is coming. There's a wedding coming that he will establish his relationship with us. Now, it's interesting because when I thought about this concept, I said, Lord, you really want me to call this end-time shotgun wedding? You sure you want me to? Is this the direction? I don't, still don't know if he wanted me to do that, but I did it anyway. I'll just say yes, it was good. End-time shotgun wedding. But why do they call it a shotgun wedding? It's because they're not married yet, but it's where one or both parents are forced into the marriage due to an unplanned pregnancy. That's why they call it a shotgun wedding. You guys know that? You guys from Kentucky? Anybody from Kentucky? That's what they call it, right? Shotgun wedding, right? Are you carrying Jesus inside of you? You see, we are pregnant with Jesus right now. He's being formed in us. And the Lord, if you can imagine, the Lord himself is returning for not just a bride, but a bride that has Christ inside of her. I don't know how all these allegories work. I don't even know if they work, actually. You guys are looking at me like I got a box of aliens, a shoebox of aliens underneath my bed or something. They're in the closet, by the way, and they're not under the bed. But these are the concepts that I believe that the church needs to hear. That we are carrying Christ inside of us. Christ in us is the hope of glory. That we have a bridegroom that's returning for us. And that his wrath is not because he's unstable, but because he's in love. And he's jealous for his bride. And you and I get the opportunity to receive that and believe that. When we believe that, the glory of God will be released over his church. And it sounds scandalous, but it's true. So get ready, because we're the bride. Let's stand together as we close. Come on, let's give God a shout. Praise He is good. Just stretch your hands out. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for this group of people today. Thank you that we are your bride. Lord God, we, just, we repent today, Lord, for where we have allowed other lovers, God, to distract us, Things we've gone to, God, instead of going to you, we repent. Just turn from that this morning. Just say, Father, I repent. Lord, today I recognize you love me. And your desire is for me. And you're jealous for me. And that you don't want any other gods before you. And Lord, where I've violated that, I turn from my idols. I turn from my pornography. I turn, Lord God, from, from, from anything that's violating my heart toward you, God. I repent today. I repent for fearing man. I repent for allowing other people to determine who I am instead of my bridegroom. I repent, Lord God, for putting idols of myself in front of you, Lord. I forgive, forgive me, Lord, for not seeing myself as that bride. And Lord, I just feel like even today, some of you don't, you don't take care of yourself. You don't feed yourself and, and take care of yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And you let other people abuse you and you abuse yourself because you don't know who you are. And the Lord wants to say, you're mine. I purchased you by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I want you to see yourself as belonging to me. 
that the root of your addiction and the root of your abuse is because you don't believe who you are and who you're created to be. And there are some people that you need to block in your life. There's some voices that you need to shut down in your life. And there are some decisions that you need to make today that you know are good for yourself. And God says, you're a bride preparing. And I prepared the way for you to get prepared. And I bless you today. I, Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit and your glory right now resting upon everyone within the sound of my voice. We declare today that Jesus, you are the Lord of our lives. You are our bridegroom. We love you. We bless you this morning. And we thank you for your presence, God. Thank you for your presence, God. Now just take a moment right now. Just begin to, to press in. Press into the Lord this morning. He wants to do something here. He wants to do something in our hearts. And just take a moment. Just put your hands in that place to receive this morning. Don't focus on anything else but Him. Just close your eyes and say, Lord, speak to me this morning. Is this, is this preacher crazy, Lord? Is this true? Because I need this revelation this morning, God. I need this to impact my heart, God. I've been holding on to things that I need to let go. I've been holding on to mistakes and failures, Lord, that you want to cleanse me of this morning. And want to set me, set me on the right direction, God. I want to see myself the way you see me. Father, I thank you this morning that striving ceases. Rest, resting in who I am and who you called me to be. I see just wedding invitations going out. I see a proposal going out before you. And I see so many of you just opening up and looking and reading and, and you're looking at it and you're saying, wow, God himself wants to marry me. Will you say yes? Will you believe that that's his heart towards you? Some of you are going to feel his glory right now. Your glory, His weight. It's the kabod of God, the weight of God. It's going to feel like a, almost like a, a, a weight, a weight of God. Lord, I just ask you to increase your glory right now. That you would crush every lie, Lord. You'd fill every heart up here, God, with your love. Increase, increase. Just want to take a moment, just begin to pray in the Spirit. Let's take the next 30 seconds and just begin to pray in the Spirit this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now, Father, I thank you for angelic activity, Lord. I just hear the Lord saying, He is making a way for you right now. I just see 
the angel of the Lord just moving a front of you, preparing a path that you felt like before was impossible to break through. But I see the Lord leading. I see the, the angel of the Lord pressing through and making a path for you. You see, we're called to follow Jesus. We're not called to make the path. He's the way maker. He's the path maker. And Jesus is making the path and he's inviting you, follow him. Follow him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. If you're feeling just the weight of God right now on your life, you're feeling his glory, I just feel like the Lord's going to invite you to step up and we want to pray and minister. I just feel like there's some of you who are just really feeling God's weight right now. Just come on up front. I don't know if it's, but if you feel the weight of God over you right now, I feel like the Lord just wants to, to touch you deeper this morning. If we could have some of our prayer teams just come on up and, and lay hands on people and just let's increase. Let's just let that let his presence increase this morning. Thank you, Lord. We're just going to pray for just a, a greater move of the Spirit this morning, more of God just being poured out. I want to thank you guys for being with us this morning. If you got to go, go. If you want to hang out and stick around, we wel- welcome you to stay. But we just want to pray for an increase of the glory of God. If you want more, you just feel his weight on you, press in with us. Um, but otherwise, God bless you. Thank you for being with us this morning. We'll see you guys on Saturday um, at 10 o'clock for Walt Hire. But um, don't go. Just stick around and press in some more. I feel like God's going to do some, do some miracles this morning here and fill some people up. So let's give God a shout of praise. He is good. He is good. Thank you for listening to Gateway Church's Sermon of the Week. Make sure to follow us on whatever platform you're listening to this on. And for more information, videos, sermons, or events, check out our website at igateway.org. Thank you and have a blessed week.